Well, about a year and a half ago, um, God used something very simple to awaken my heart to sin and some struggle in my heart in my life that I, I've dealt with for a long time, but He just kind of awoken my heart. And it was during a time where we were going to pick up, go to Ethiopia to pick up our, our first little boy, our, our oldest, Anthony. And you'll get to meet there. They're in the back, our two boys. Anthony's not used to all the noise and Sunday school and, and nursery. And so anyway, my wife's back with Anthony. Um, but it's amazing how the Lord, in every stage of our life, either if we're, we're single, we're married, we're without kids, we have kids, we're working, we're students, we're um, full, serving in full-time ministry, we're working a full-time job, or we're here, we're overseas, the Lord continues to work in our lives, in our heart, and reveal sin, first and foremost through His Word, and then He uses different things in our life just to impact and awaken our heart to other areas where um, we're not serving Him, or submitting Him, or understanding who He is, and then living that out in our life. Um, so about a year and a half ago, we were going to pick up Anthony. And our city is um, about, about an hour and a half from, well, not an hour, about two hours from our airport. We live in a small city in China, about 700,000. But that's for China, that's a small city. And so we were traveling to a large city to get in a plane. And the, the car that came to pick us up, we have a van that we have two seats and there's like five other people with us. And they show up about 45 minutes late, and I'm thinking, I'm already getting nervous that we're not going to make our flight. And then when we get into the van, they say, oh, well, we have a, a problem with our tire. We're going to have to go fix it flat. And I'm like, are you serious? Well, I'm going to miss my flight. And I, I just started becoming the ugly American, and, and I, was, I was giving them the right act. Just everything, just telling them, what are you doing? You're going to be late. And, and I, I just got real ugly, and we started off on our two-and-a-half-hour trip to the airport. And the man sitting right in front of me, he had a flight that was a half hour before mine. And what did he do the whole trip? The whole trip we're driving, he sleeps. He rests. He falls asleep during this time. And what am I doing the whole time? I'm anxious. I'm frustrated. I'm just getting angry in my heart that we're late. And that I'm like, this is just always how it works in China. And just, oh, I just... And this anger became my heart. And then the Lord revealed to me, I was looking at the man who was sleeping. And he said, who should be sleeping in this van, just convicted my heart, and it's like, you should. You believe, you say you believe in a sovereign God who's in control of all things and has sent you here, and yet this man in front of you who knows nothing of me is resting. And the Lord just convicted my heart and began on a new journey, just in my heart of anxiety and fear that I haven't submitted to the Lord, that I don't live in light of the realities of these things that I say that I believe. So the Lord began to do a work, and he used just a simple thing of a man sleeping in front of me to convict my heart of the things that I know the Lord has already revealed to me through his word. Sometimes he uses big things, too. There's another time a year ago where the Lord just, I thought I was having a heart attack, and I was in a city where there's not good medical care, and I just freaked out and ended up being nothing. And so the Lord is just really doing the work in my heart is to rest in him. And during this process this year, 
first couple of months of this year, I was studying through Hebrews. And going back through that, I studied it before and just kind of went back through some old notes and some different things and just studied through it. And the Lord confirmed the truth of who He is, what He's done, and how I am to live in light of it. And when I got to chapter 11, a famous chapter, you guys all know the chapter of faith, and the Lord, again, just convicted my heart to rest in Him and to live by faith. So today we're going to look at that verse. We're going to look at that chapter. And even though it's a chapter that's familiar, maybe we be stirred again by its truth. Sometimes when we get familiar, our familiarity with things kind of diminishes the awesomeness or the power within it. So as we read it and we work through it, may we be challenged again. Before we get to chapter 11, though, it's significant just to be able to understand kind of the the context. Whenever we study a passage, we need to know the context of what's going on. And in in Hebrews, chapter 11 really brings us to this point where it's just this culmination of things. The, the author, he's built just a case that Christ is the far better, superior, far better, superior high priest who has a far better, superior uh, ministry, who is a mediator and a guarantee of a new covenant that has better promises. And now instead of the sin, of sin being written on our heart, which talks about in the Old Testament, now the law is written on our heart in such a way that we, we are now able to obey. And we have forgiveness. Before they were, they had conscience that were weighed down with guilt, but now they have freedom of conscience from guilt through Christ, through the shed blood of Christ. That was a sacrifice. It was a sufficient single sacrifice, one time for all sacrifice. And now Christ, what does he do? He sits at the right hand of God. He's victorious. And his work on the cross was comprehensive. And he sits victorious. So he builds this case and he's telling them, this is the truth. And and then he he reminds them, he says, what what are you guys doing now? You're tempted to give this all back and give it away and turn away from these truths. And if, if we look ahead, or look back in chapter 10, verse 32, we see... This isn't the first time he calls them out on this, but here, right before this chapter, he says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle and suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plunder of your property, since you knew that you yourself had a better possession, an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, with, which has a great reward. For you have need, need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So he says to them, before you joyfully accepted the plunder of all your stuff for the sake of Christ, and now you're tempted to abandon this and go back to things that were just shadows, of, of the reality that you walk in now in Christ. And then we go to chapter 11, and he talks about faith. What is faith? Who are these people of faith? And challenges them, as we know in chapter 12, and he says, in light of all these people of faith and this great cloud of witnesses, you throw off your sin, persevere, and look to Christ, who's that author, the perfecter, the source um, of your salvation and your faith. 
So that's the context as we go. As we look at this chapter, um, instead of going, we'll go through it and read through it all, but we're not, we don't have time to go through each and break apart each verse on it like you would, like I'd want to. But we're going to look at the main points, and that's what's significant. We need to know what, is the, what does the author mean, what is the main point, and that's what we need to understand is what's going on. So what are the main points of faith? What are the characteristics of faith that are drawn out here? The first one, well, let's read. I'll read one through, one through seven. Just think about what, how is faith described in this chapter? What are some things that you see? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. Or that are visible, sorry. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which... He was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So you see in verse 1, a first characteristic or mark of faith is, is... it is assurance of things hoped for. What does this mean? This is a quote by John Owen, who um, thinks more deeply, who wrote more eloquently than I could ever write or speak. And he says of the assurance of things hoped for, he says, Faith gives the things hoped for a real subsistence in the mind and the soul of them that do believe. Faith gives into the soul a taste of the goodness of the things promised. Faith begins a work in us that we we begin to even taste of the goodness of these promises even before we experience them in their fullness. Um, Another um, commenter says, "True, true faith infers the reality of the object believed in and honed in for. And we know these things are true and we begin even now in our mind and our soul to taste and understand the goodness of these things and these promises and these truths. And we are, there's an assurance um, that comes of these things hoped for. So through faith, um, these future promises become in us such a reality. Our faith in this God that we claim is who is the sovereign God of all things, create us, who's one who is gracious and good, these truths, as we walk in them by faith, they will impact every area of our life, the way that we pray, the way that we act, the way that we share the gospel. And we must remember again that this faith, just a sign of this faith, where does this faith come? It come from? It is a gift indeed of the Lord. And this isn't about us and about our um, strength and our faith. We need to be those who pray, I believe, give me, help, help my unbelief and um, rest in this gift of the Lord, and this faith that we're given. Second part of verse 1 says, the conviction, faith is 
the conviction of things not seen. It's a strong assurance of the reality of the, these promises of God. And what are some of these promises that are yet to be seen? We know for many of the people in this chapter, it's a promise of the Messiah, of the Rescuer. It's the fulfillment and coming of a new covenant. But for us, what is it? We see the coming of Christ, the second of coming of Christ. We also know that we have been indeed declared righteous before holy God, and yet we still struggle in sin. We still battle um, with sin, and we know one day we will not just be declared righteous, but we will stand fully righteous before a holy God. And we know that there will be one day that we will be free from any temptation of sin. With our, our kids on Sunday in China, we sing songs, and during our worship time, we do some adult songs, we do kids' songs. It's, it's a lot of fun. We have two families. There's our family, and we have two kids, and then uh, the family that we partner with, and they have four kids. And we'll get together, and we sing. And one of the sing- songs we sing is, Soon and Very Soon, you know, Soon and Very Soon. But we'll sing, No More Sin in There. And then we'll sing, No More Spankings There. We... But so there are the, these are but these are promises of things that are yet seen. We don't know the no more spankings there yet. We haven't gotten there yet. But we know that one day we will be made fully righteous, and we will be able to take part in that and be part of that. So, and, and even just this another thing that I think of in, in my life, my meditation, my, my heart as I went through this, that some of the promises that have yet to be seen in our city, we call it Willow Grove. We just haven't seen a lot of fruit. We've been there three years, and we've shared, and we've shared, and we're seeking the Father of how would you, Lord, have us be used in the city? And we've, he's given us guidance, and when we meet in community, community groups, I hope to meet you guys and be able to share a little bit more. But um, there are times where I think, Lord, um, did you mean to bring me here? But I know that I can rest in the promise that, that God, that I, I'm God's workmanship. He has good work prepared for me in advance, and I know that he hasn't made a mistake by sending me, and I can walk each day, even though when I go out, I think, man, what exactly does the Lord have for me today? Or um, maybe one of the guys that I just poured a lot of time into, he kind of fell away, and I think, well, Lord, how is this part of your plan? But I can rest in the promises knowing that the Lord is sovereign and good, and I can walk in faith in these things. Even though I haven't fully seen um, what the Lord will do, I know I can rest and walk in faith. Then verse 2, for by it the people of old received their commendation. So faith, through faith alone does mankind, does man receive, does man gain approval before God? The NASB says gain approval before God. It's only, it's only by faith that we receive that. What is this approval? We have right standing before the Lord. We have justification. And this is made possible as the author makes clear throughout Hebrews that this is only through Christ, the shed blood of Christ. If you look back at chapter 10, 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with, tr- with a true heart and full assurance, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And then it, it keeps on, it goes on from there. But our approval... It's by faith, and it's through Christ alone. We'll skip down to 
to verse, um, verse 5 through 6. 5 and 6 follows that up and kind of expounds upon that. And then we'll kind of go back. It says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And then it says, Without God, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So this says, as we talk about, through faith alone does mankind receive a, gain approval before God. It's by faith alone that we are able to please God. And it's a faith that's not even our own, but a faith that is from the Lord. And he says, who are those that, that draw near to God? It's those who, we have to first just believe that he exists. He is the God who exists. Verse 3, if you go back, we'll go back. Verse 3, and it says, Who is this God? He's the one that created all things, the universe, by the, the word of his mouth alone. And out of, he created all that is visible out of the invisible. Just out of the word of his mouth, he created all things. So we, but this God who exists, not, not is it just, not as he, he is not just a God who exists, but he is a God who desires to reward those who seek him. He is a God who is good and full of grace. And desires to reward those who seek Him. Um, in my life, I know this impacts me that many times, I, not only do I not lo- live as if I have a God that, that seeks, desires to reward me, a God of grace, all my complaining and my whining, and if you, you'd be um, depressed by all the whining that, that I have when I'm in China, and when I should be just re- rejoicing in the Lord and know that he's, I'm serving Him. But I need to believe that he is a God who exists. And not only does he exist, but he rewards those who seek him. He's a good God. And it's only by faith that we can be pleasing before the Lord. And this faith, it's not of ourselves. It's of the Lord. Let's read verses 8 through 16. In this we see that faith has a heavenly, has an eternal perspective. These are folks that didn't seek comfort. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that was that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand in the seashore. And then verse 13, I just love these verses right here. These are ones that the Lord has used again and again in my life to sustain me um, in times where... I'll just read it. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, 
God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. So you see that these people of faith had a heavenly and eternal perspective. They weren't looking to find their comfort and find their fulfillment in temporal things of this world, but they recognized that either if they were in the home where they were born or the place that the Lord sent them, that neither of these places were home, but only being with Christ in a heavenly country was where they sought. When I studied this um, maybe three years, three and a half years ago or more back, um, and I was a, a seminary student in Louisville, and during that time, I, I was reading through it, and I just wrote this, and it reminded me of my time before. Before um, seminary, I'd been in Ecuador for two years and served there, and the Lord just did a lot in my life and challenged me during that time, too. But anyways, I wrote this. It convicts my heart and um, makes me think about, about these verses. Anyways, I believe we miss this so often, miss this eternal heavenly perspective so often, because we risk very little in our faithful obedience to Christ. We enjoy comfort, and when we are comfortable, we have little that pushes us to an eternal perspective. Might I say, not just comfort, but I find myself, when I get in China and here too, I'm just reminded of how, not just distracted by comfort, but, or not just comfort, but it's a distraction. We live in it, we're just distracted, but but by our Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, there's so much to distract us that we don't even think about eternal things because our mind is here and there and here and there. And we're, we're just distracted. We don't think about one thing long enough to even think about deep things many times. Anyway, we enjoy comfort. And when we are comfortable, we have little that pushes us to an eternal perspective. I know that this is true in my life, as it has been a long while since I have felt such trial in my life to, for obedience that I have forgotten, that I have forsaken much. Let me, let me read again. As it has been a long while since I have felt such trial in my obedience, that I have forsaken much for the call of Christ. It said, in Ecuador, th- these verses were a huge encouragement to me, as they were many times, as they many times, I wanted to return to my earthly country, my earthly home country, and had to see that my country is with Christ. And my service, and my service for Him in that country, land, in that foreign land, I'm sorry, in that foreign land was what was truly important. And that in the distance, I could see the reality of the promises of God to be true. I'm many times too comfortable to even long for a better country. I think that's true. Many times we're just too comfortable to even long for a better country. And in China, I had to ask myself a different question, but just as significant. I had to ask, what country do I long for? I'm afraid many times when I found myself in struggle, when because of obedience or even lack of obedience, I found myself in struggle and trial and feeling culture shock or culture fatigue or whatever you want to call it. Many times I didn't long, my heart wasn't turned to the eternal, but instead turned to comfort back home. And it just reveals my heart, my need for discontinued the continued work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm still on a journey that even though I'm pushed to think, desire a better country, a different country, am I looking to the eternal things? Am I just looking to be comfortable here and now 
And when we look to the eternal things, that's when we are challenged to, to do, to walk in obedience, to share our faith. When we're thinking about eternal things, we're thinking about a God who exists and He seeks to, and He desires us to, to, to reward those who seek Him. We will go out in boldness. We'll go out in obedience. But many times we're, we're just too comfortable to even think about it. Let me show you just a, a quick video um, that just stirs our heart when we are challenged to think beyond the here and now, we're challenged to think about those who um, do not know the Lord. The outward burdens we carry cannot be disguised or hidden. Day in and day out, we all physically labor in one way or another. These physical burdens carried by many and will grow pale in comparison to their spiritual burden of sin, sin against a holy and just God. The weight of the burden of hundreds of thousands surround us each day, and we carry within us the hope and good news of the Savior who can carry this burden in their place. Pray for the people of Willow Grove, and pray that the Father will raise up men and women to share it with the countless. Pray for men to be raised up to lead and to shepherd that many will know the one who is gentle and humble in heart, the one who calls the burden to find true rest in him alone. Lord, I know thou cannot lie. Give me Christ or else I die. Every day I'm surrounded by people carrying burdens. When my father-in-law came out, he'd seen this video before, and he thought, oh, I thought you probably had to go all over town to find these people. They're just, just everywhere, people carrying burdens. But they, the burdens they carry pale in comparison to the sin they hold and will have before a, a holy God if they do not know, do not hear of Christ. I'm, even now, as I watch that, and I think about um, the Scripture, I'm convicted in the heart Many times, I do seek this country, and I forget that I'm there for those who have not heard yet. Just convicted in heart, even now, by the word and, and by just the images of those who did not know. There's so many around us here in your city who do not know. Are you, are you too distracted, too comfortable to, to think beyond that? So these are some characteristics of faith that um, assurance of things hoped for.
conviction of things not seen. It's faith is only by faith do we find approval before God. Faith has an eternal, heavenly perspective. And, and also faith looks to Christ. You know, at the end of this chapter, it says, he says, in light of all these things, throw off your sin, run with endurance, and look to Christ. Our faith is that that looks to Christ. These who had not received promises, they looked to promises of a Messiah. They were calling to look forward to Christ. As we look at this chapter, I think it's also important to look and see what are some of the characteristics of these people of faith. We'll kind of go through those um, quickly. Hey, Rick, what, what time do I, I, I should have asked? I don't know what, when I'm, whatever, okay. <laughs> it's freaking out there, okay. Um, let's look at these characteristics of the, these people and what their life looked like. Well, first, throughout, we see two things, that they're ordinary people. Um, these are ordinary people. Also, paired up with that, these are sinful people. Think of you in, a cha- in verse 11, we see Sarah and Abraham. Sarah, when she was told, hey, you're going to give birth to a son, she laughed. But here she is, seen as one of faith. Abraham, Abraham, he was willing to risk his wife and her safety twice for his own skin. But here he's a person of faith. He's an ordinary person. Israelites, they were grumblers. They were grumblers much like we are. And yet they were seen as people of faith. Verse 31. Rahab, she's a prostitute. Even, verse 34, King David. Even, even King David is ordinary. He was extraordinary. And yet we see um, before God... He is, um, he is a sinner like us. With, back in China, we, once a week, each of us does Sunday school with the kids. And the week that I did it, we were, we're going through a study that uh, Desiring God from their curriculum. And we were going through it. And we were, I showed him a picture. We were talking about David. And we were talking about sin. And I showed a picture of a harp and how he was this musician. And showed a picture of the sling and the, the stone and that he was a warrior. And I showed a picture of the crown and the... He was a king. And these are all the stories we hear of David. And they're like, yeah, well, this David's great. And then I showed him a, a black heart. And I was like, what is this? And they're like, How, what does this have to do with David? And like, ah. he had sin. And then I shared that he had stolen a, a wife from another man and killed that man. And I just saw the face of the six-year-old who could really understand what, was, what I was saying just kind of drop, just like, the reality, and it hit me too in the same moment that I was hitting her. I thought he was a sinner before God, and he needed Christ. He needed Jesus. He needed um, forgiveness, just, just as, as we all are. So these are ordinary people. In verse 34, it says, From weakness they were made strong. And as we see that these are ordinary people, we're reminded about this chapter that this chapter isn't about the people, it's about God. This book. This chapter, um, the Bible, is about the Lord. We have to remind of that. These people are marked by obedience. Throughout, they're marked by obedience. I'll read, read more of this chapter that we haven't read yet. They're marked by obedience. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was, in fact, was in the act of offering up his only son, 
of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and that they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to mistreat, be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who, who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of the lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but foreign, put foreign armies to flight. So they were marked again and again by obedience. If we are people of faith, we will be those who, are walk, who will walk in obedience. And this is not a new theme in Hebrews. He earlier talks about the unbelief. And what did the unbelief of the Israelites in the deserts result to? It resulted in disobedience. And there was discipline for that disobedience. And here he says, faith, it will result in obedience. And they also had faith in the promises yet seen. We've kind of talked about that. And that they had faith in the promises that were yet to have seen. And finally, they, perse- they had persevering faith under great trial. They suffered much. And one of the key things that I think in my heart that stirs me is that most of their suffering... And most of their trial was a result of their obedience. Sometimes we think that when we're, we're experiencing trial, we're like, ah, oh, this is wrong. There's something wrong about this. This shouldn't be happening. But there are times where our suffering is a result of not, sometimes it's disobedience indeed, but sometimes it's obedience. And in our obedience, there's trial. Just as Christ, we have a Savior who, who is one who, who died and was crucified. But the thing that we are to remember in our suffering is that it has a purpose that indeed it drives us to closer fellowship with Christ. A, a quote by um, Oswald Chambers just says, Why should we go through heartbreak? Through those, door, through those doorways, God is opening up ways of fellowship with His Son. Most of us fall and collapse at the first grip of pain. We sit down on the threshold of God's purpose and die away of self-pity. And all so-called Christian sympathy will aid us to our death, aid us to our deathbed. But God will not. He comes with the, gripped, with the grip of the pierced hand of His Son and says, 
enter into fellowship with me. Arise and shine. Many times when we face trial, we, we're, what, we're tempted just to collapse away at the threshold of God's purpose. And others, others, Christian sympathy causes us just to fade away even farther. But instead, we're called to endure in this. Sometimes when people share, I've heard people share the gospel and say, well, if you repent, your, your life will be better. Your, your financial strain will be less. Your trials will be less. But that's not the case. If we enter into a fellowship with Christ, we may endure even greater suffering. Sometimes we should read the final verses of Hebrews maybe with them and, and read. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves on the earth. Instead, when we share the gospel, we can say, you might endure great suffering. You might find yourself destitute, mistreated, afflicted, but in that, you'll find deep, true fellowship with Christ, deep peace, true peace, and true hope. So these are the people of faith, and these are the characteristics of faith that we can be challenged by. And I know the, the Father has challenged me in these things, to walk by faith in light of them. Um, there are people on the other side of the world that are struggling with similar yet different things, seeking to walk by faith. And we need to be connected in heart and, and open to our eyes at the reality that there are, there are people um, throughout this world that are seeking to do just as we are. May we not be distracted by our comfort and by our things that we're not able to look beyond ourselves. And we recognize and we walk in the reality that indeed we do have a sovereign God. And we don't have to walk by, live by fear. When I, I hope next time I'm sitting in that van that as that guy in front of me is sleeping and I'm sleeping too, just resting in my Lord, knowing that he's in control of these things and all these things. So that's just my challenge for you guys.